This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today's great. Today is great because I have one of my best friends on the show. And um, she's one of the smartest people that I know in my life. She's also a person who lives by the things that she teaches and talks about, which is pretty rare in the world today. Um, she's got a big old podcast called Gold Digger. She's a very, very successful author. She's an incredible wife, amazing mom, thought leader, someone who I rely on for her insights on how to do just about everything in this space that we're in. And so I just can't wait to share her with you all again today for the second time on the show, Jenna Kutcher. Welcome back. Thank you. I was having this moment remembering our first interview. I know, me too. Three years ago. And how much has changed, but also how much has stayed the same. It's actually pretty amazing. How are you really, (laughs) Jenna? You know, I should have known that I would get asked that question. (laughs) I am feeling like my heart is so full. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot lately about like how much love a person can have in Mm. I love what I do, Mm. but I also love who I do life with. Yeah. And I almost feel like I'm overwhelmed with love, sometimes in a good way sometimes in a bad way, Hmm. Um, in just being stretched in this season. So I have two little ones, a book, a business, a husband, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, sometimes I just feel like Wonder Woman being stretched, but I also rest in that and enjoy it. You, uh, By the way, I asked her, how are you really? Because that's the title of her book that's out. Living Your Truth, One Answer at a Time. And one thing about Jenna... The last three years, we come very close, mm-hmm. you know, in a three-year window of time to get so close to somebody. The one thing about you is the things in this book, I said this before we started, you do them. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we met, you were the first person in this space. You're like, you know, I'm going to, I've already made some changes, yeah, but I'm going to make some more. And, you know, I'm going to get more life. You literally said those. So you said, I'm going to get more life out of my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, yeah, you're probably not. No, I really did. I thought, nah, you're not. This is too tempting. All the things that come with some momentum in our lives, you know, another speaking event, maybe write this, maybe go there, maybe do this. And you have actually done what you said you were going to do and which Mm -hmm. is in this book. So let's get into it a little bit because I admire that the most about you Mm -hmm. is how true you are to yourself. Yeah. And so... You know, you start out, you talk about things like, all right, forget your 5 a.m. wake up call and your morning routine and your other stuff. So I'm going to have so many people coming at me for those. I I actually don't think so, because I know the way that you mean it. Yeah. Right. I know the way that you mean it. And everything needs to have some moderation to it. And I think you need to you talk a lot in the book about knowing yourself. Yeah. So let's just start there. Where's all this come from? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I I remember our conversation in the basement of your house and um My husband and your wife were playing with my daughter, who was just this tiny little roly-poly thing at the time, who's now a toddler who speaks in complete sentences. (laughs) Um, And I remember remember telling you that because I was just in this season of life Mm -hmm. where I was really learning how to trust myself. And when I say trust myself, I mean I was leaning into this calling to slow down, Mm -hmm. but to trust that like, if, and when I'm ready to run, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and I'm going to go fast. I'm going to go hard. And I know I'll remember how to get my feet back under me. And so when I talk about like, screw the morning routine, screw all that, like everything has a season. And I think a lot of us are coming out of this last season that the world collectively experienced thinking, what next, what now? And 
am I happy? Am I faking it? What do I want for my life? Mm -hmm. And so I really love the notion that we're kind of in this mix of like, there's two camps. There's the hustle culture. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the manifestation side. And I have respect for people in both of them. Yeah. But I've realized that for me, the magic is like when the woo, like that visualizing meets the work hmm. and how we balance that and approach that, whether fast or slow, hmm. is like where I'm at. Hmm. And so the book is a call to invite people to figure out what season are you in? Is it the woo? Is it the work? Or is it the mix of both? And how do you live that out as your truth? See, uh, this is why I love you. It's a contrarian point of view in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And I really feel strongly. The reason I wanted you on, I would have you on because you're such a dear friend. But I really feel like this message is important. Yeah. Maybe for me. Yeah. More than most people, you know. I, when we met, mm -hmm. I think I was more in the middle. Yeah. I was more uh, a lot of life and a lot of work. And then I've been sucked into this whatever it is, this yeah. uh, success vortex yep. that begins to take place at this other stage of my life. And it is a little bit chaotic and it can become unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I look at your life and you're, you know, having such, I don't know if I would call it balance. I don't love that word, but yeah. I do see you often, I feel like getting a lot out of your life. Mm -hmm. And I find myself some days, if I'm being transparent, going, you know, this is not something I want to be doing right now. And I'm doing a lot of things that I don't want to be doing right now. And that's not what I was put here to do. Doesn't mean in your life that you shouldn't be willing to do difficult and hard things right. to, to make progress in your life. Right. But to do them in exclusivity, which yes. is what a lot of people are doing, is what you talk about in the book, is super unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So how do you you know, if there's someone listening, it's like, look, I'm in the hustle stage. Yeah. But there is this calling on my heart that I feel like I do need some recuperation. I need mm -hmm. some rest. What would you say to them? I know you say a lot of it in the book, but what would yeah. you say to them today? Oh, my gosh. Rest. I used to suck at resting, which is wild because I am a masterful rester now. <laughs> I have a chapter called the Soul Shavasana where like it's at so the good. end of yoga where you are supposed to lay on the mat, yep. I freaking couldn't do it. I hated it. Hmm. I felt like I had to earn it. So I felt like if I'm not sweating enough, I don't deserve to lie on that mat. And I feel hmm. like a lot of the world is trying to earn the right to rest hmm. when it's like our birthright, right? Hmm. Like we shouldn't be embracing rest. And here's what I want to tell people, because I know your audience, hmm. they are achievers. Mm -hmm. And achievers take this idea of rest thinking they need to earn it. Hmm. And they're not willing to work for it. Rest for me requires just as much work as going full steam ahead. Boy, isn't that true? Yeah. I, it's like, okay, it's like when yeah. you go on a vacation yeah. and right when you're about to fly home, you're finally unwinding mm -hmm. and you're right about to jump back into the crazy. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah. I was with our friend, our mutual friend, Jamie Kern-Lima, mm -hmm. and it was after her book launch and she had worked so, so hard. hard. Oh my gosh, so she did. And we were sitting on this rooftop together and I said, Jamie, it's like you need to do a couch to 5K, but in reverse. Mm. You need to teach yourself how to rest. Mm. It's like every day you just need five more minutes, five more minutes of rest and mm. starting to build up your tolerance for being still. Mm. 
And I know for me, like I yearn for rest, but I also have to work for it. Like I have to be mindful. So good. At like, I don't need to be productive right now. My worth is not in my output. Ugh. How do I slow everything down? Mm. Even um, on the Uber ride over here, I literally was looking out the window because I could have been looking at my phone and I was like, what do I see? What do I smell? Mm. What do I feel? Like what is in front of me? And it was like just this practice of like, be here right now. Yep. And so rest is not innate for a lot of us, so especially true. the people that are just running, running, running. You know, I never thought about that working for my rest, meaning mm-hmm. some people working just me, well, if I work really hard, then I get to rest. But yeah. you're saying actually work, you know, work, work at resting. Work being a rester. Yeah. You know, it's, it, do you think a little bit of this is, and I don't, I don't like always going there, but to some yeah. extent I'm thinking about women. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's interesting. You're talking about Jamie and you and. Marie Forleo or Mel Robbins. It's funny for me, like my closest friends that I have learned the most from mm-hmm. are mainly the females in this mm-hmm. space, by the way. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when you listen to Jenna talk about this, this isn't some foofy like rest, be at peace. This is an yeah. achiever. Yeah. This is someone who's yeah. achieved at very high levels yeah. and really made something magnificent of her life. But do you feel like for women that maybe this is even a more difficult thing, the resting. Like, you walk into an average house, it's not uncommon to see a dude chillaxing on the couch on a right? Saturday, right? It's completely uncommon <laughs> to see a woman doing it. It's almost like part of this a, a woman's identity. I don't mean to be over, overly general in this, yeah. generalizations. But I almost feel like women feel guilt and rest more than men do. Do you oh, agree with that? 100%. Especially mothers, right? I literally was texting your wife yeah, right before we came right. out here. And I had to pump because I have a baby at home and, and I've been thinking about like the mental load of motherhood mm. on top of career and how I'm never off the clock. And so yeah. for me, I feel like if I don't mindfully figure out how to rest, even if it's 10 minutes of quiet time with myself, mm. I am just constantly going from motherhood to CEO to motherhood to CEO. And there is no space for me to exist or space for me to stop and ask myself, how am I really? Yeah. And so it is fascinating because my autopilot is to work really hard and to work a lot. Yeah. And so I have had to train just like I would train for a marathon on how to rest and unplug and be mindful and present and just like be in my life. You ask in the book like a series of questions that helps you kind of know yourself better is the way that I would best phrase it. I want them to get the book, so we're not going to go through all of them. But what are some of these? Because this book has tools in it. Yes. So what are some of the tools? What are some of the questions that we should be asking ourselves to know ourselves better? Because, by the way, you know, I don't think most people are ever conscious of any questions they ask themselves. Right. You know, at all. So that's very difficult to be aware of you if you're not questioning yourself. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to do is because I respect there are so many amazing teachers and gurus out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are in this business to like help people and make an impact. But sometimes we get lost in like what everyone else says we should be doing that we forgot to listen to like our heart. Mm-hmm. And so there's this line in the book that it's like someone else's directions might not take you to your destination. Mm-hmm. And I think that's beautiful because it requires a level of self-awareness, but also this level of discernment of like, take what serves me and let the rest go without apologizing. Mm. And so it's this invitation of like, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm inviting you to ask yourself. So questions like, am I happy? Mm -hmm. Am I content? What does success look like for me? When is the last time I slowed down enough? Am I faking enjoying my life? Are my relationships deep? Am I invited to be my whole self when I show up in situations? 
How do I feel about my body? How do I feel about confidence? Where does my confidence come from? And it's like just this like it's almost like an onion and like peeling layer after layer back, but in a not so painful way. Like you don't need your goggles on because you're not going to. I mean, you might be bawling, but like it's just these like nudges of like, have you checked in with yourself? Because I think a lot of times we haven't. Mm -hmm. I looked in the mirror the other day. Actually, you were with me. Mm -hmm. You trigger things in me. (laughs) We were, um, where were we? We were in Florida. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why this is making me emotional for some reason. I was, uh, you know the story, but there was an issue with my book and I was up at 2.30 in the morning on the bathroom floor of my hotel so my wife could sleep and I'm doing something with my book that had been a problem. And uh, so I finished it at about 2.45. This is important for everybody to hear how profound Jenna's book is, her work is, and just there's different types of people. There's motivated, there's inspirational people, then there's aspirational. And certain people in my life, when I'm around them, I aspire to be a little bit more like them. Mm-hmm. And you have that with me. There are things about mm-hmm. you that I aspire to have. And I caught a glimpse of myself in the bathroom mirror at a very weird time of day that I normally wouldn't, which is like, you know, almost three o'clock in the morning. And I kind of saw myself for a second in this moment of like real stress and chaos. And I thought to myself, who the heck is that guy? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I haven't worked this hard to work this hard mm-hmm. to be that guy. And I caught myself and it was a moment of very brief checking in with myself. And yeah. then it dawned on me when I saw you at breakfast that morning, yeah. I very rarely check in on myself. Yeah. I check in on everybody else. Yeah. I'm always helping everyone else. I'm creating content for everybody else. I'm having thoughts for everyone else. But how often do I sit alone with myself? And I'm not talking about meditation. That's yeah. one thing where I empty my mind. Yeah. I'm talking about not emptying my mind and asking myself questions, mm-hmm. which is different than meditation. Yeah. Very rarely do I do that. So I know if I very rarely do it, you're completely right. There are people listening that haven't checked in with themselves in years, not even for 10 seconds. Truly. I mean, we go to the bathroom with our phones these days, right? Yeah. We literally cannot fathom sitting with ourselves. We can't enjoy the company of ourselves any longer. Mm. We're always so distracted. Mm. It's crazy. Do you think that someone listening to this, I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. Because you said seasons. so. You've had momentum and have had some success. Mm-hmm. What about the person who's a young man or woman listening to this? They're like, look, I'm in this stage where like if I cooled it completely, yeah. you know, there's uh, no food in the fridge. Yeah. So that's a different situation. But I, I'm assuming you believe many of these principles still apply Absolutely. To, to them as well. So what would you say to someone who goes, that sounds good when you got a couple houses like you got, Jenna, yeah. and you got a couple bucks in the bank and you yeah. got a top podcast and your book's going to go New York Times bestseller, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm at a different season. What would yeah. you say to them? So I believe there's a tipping point that people will hit and okay. I believe it in the core of my being. And I've seen it so many times. So there are going to be seasons in your life where money is what you value the most. And that's not coming from a place of greed. It's coming from a place of necessity, right? Mm. There are so many seasons where you and I, both of us, have traded our time for money mm-hmm. in any way. Yeah. Whether it's staying up late, burning the candle, you mm. know, doing a service, whatever that is. Mm. There comes a tipping point when you feel secure and safe enough that you say, no, 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 I'm willing now to trade my money to get back time, whether it is Instacart Mm -hmm. or hiring a cleaner or whatever that looks like for you. When that tipping point happens, 
you have to realize that the value of earning back your time is not so that you can just spend it earning more money so that you can keep buying back your time. There's this quote uh, story in the book. And it's talking about how this Buddhist monk mm-hmm. goes to New York City yeah, so and they uh, go and they, he, the somebody is showing him around the city. They take him down on the subway and he's like, we're going to save 10 minutes. And so they come on up out of the subway and mm-hmm. the Buddhist monk sits his butt in a park bench. And the guy's like, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going to enjoy the 10 minutes we just saved. Yes. And I was like, man, like I love efficiency. Like yep. your girl, I love it. Yep. But I'm like, we're trying to save time to spend more time saving time. So true. (laughs) It's a problem. So true. So hustling in seasons, necessary. I'm glad you said that. When it is the autopilot and your only way of living and existing, Mm -hmm. not sustainable. Yep. That is when people hit burnout. And I think our world is collectively in a situation of burnout and we are desperately waiting for a breakthrough. I agree with you. And so- it's like your check engine light where it's like you can run for a while like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But if you are not checking in with yourself, your body, your health, your family, your relationships, anything. Yeah. Pretty soon there's going to be something that has irreparable damage. You're a million percent right. And I want to say one thing about that. This burnout thing is true for every single person. And I, I want to some of you, however, have a higher threshold of functioning while you're already burned out unbeknownst to you. Yes. This is a really deep thing. Yes. So if you keep doing this grind, even at that infancy stage, and you don't rest and recover, number one, you won't be as creative as you could be because you're not rested. You won't be able to transmit the type of energy that success requires because you're fatigued, even in that early infancy. Mm -hmm. But some of you, and I have this, I've built an incredible threshold for high functionality past burnout. Yeah. And... That doesn't mean I'm not burned out. Yep. And I want a lot of you achievers that, to listen to me on this. You could be burnt out right now and be unaware of it because you have this capacity to function. And what's coming for you is a crash, mm-hmm. not a burnout. Mm-hmm. You will eventually have a day where you wake up and can't function. I've been there before. So these principles in this book about resting and functioning are huge. Mm-hmm. And I want to go to body because yeah. this is a thing with you. I think when I think of body and relationship with one's body, I think of you a lot Mm. because you talk a lot about it. You've been vulnerable about it. And you've also had to deal with different things with it as well. There's all this stuff around because one place to check is your physical body. Yeah. Where do you carry your tension? How sore are you? How tired are you really? Yeah. Um, your energy level, all of these different things. And in your case, there's just been all these issues and I'm just going to throw it to you to just talk for a little, you can go for a while on this too. You have a lot of things with your body. One, you had, I want you to talk if you can. I know it's not an easy one, but there's a chapter in the book about it, about, uh, you know, losing Mm -hmm. a child more than once. There's the issue of your husband's this ripped, shredded dude with the abs, right, (laughs) with with Drew. There's the issue of you being willing to post pictures of yourself where you feel beautiful, but you've taken criticism for doing it before, mm-hmm. right? Because you, at that time, it just you just had a baby and you didn't have a six pack or yeah. whatever, right? So talk about checking in with your body and then yeah. just your relationship with your body. I don't want to call them body issues, but yeah. you know what I mean when yeah. I say it. Go all well, over there. Okay. So answer me this. I want to know yeah. if men do this too. Okay. Have you ever looked back at a photo of yourself from like five years ago? Mm-hmm. And you can remember what your insecurity was on that day. Absolutely. Yeah, men do. I bet women do it more, but I definitely do it. Yes. And you see Mm. that you were like in this moment, but you weren't there because you're thinking about your arms or your hair or your teeth or I mean like anything. Yes. 
And you're like, gosh, if I could shake that person by the shoulders and like have them just like be there. They're so beautiful. They're they're yeah. in this exceptional thing. We do this all the time. You're right. No matter who we are. Mm. Now, the reason why I included body talk in the book is because I think that how we feel about ourselves totally impacts how we show up for our lives. I do too. All the time. Yeah. And it impacts how we show up as a partner, as a boss, as a leader, as a mother, as a father. Like it show it, because we get so wrapped up in what we believe to be true about ourselves mm. that we're like missing. Like, and it's crazy. Like, okay, think about your kids. Yeah. Beautiful children. Yeah. And like, think if Bella came to you and was just like, dad, like, why did you mess up on me? Like, I'm so, I'm not perfect. How could you do this to me? Mm. We're doing that to God all the time. Oh, Jenna, that was really good. And like, yeah. I think of like, if my little daughter came up to me and was like, oh, really good. gosh, there's a story that didn't make the cut in the book. And it's like one of my favorite stories ever about bodies. And it's about my daughter. And she was about a year and a half. And my husband, Drew, is a neat freak, total mm. neat freak. And I woke up Coco one day from bed and um, I saw her lick her finger and try to wipe away a little mole. It was like the teeniest little mole on her arm. She thought it was like dirt. Mm. And I said, baby, what are you doing? Mm. And she was like, dirt, dirt. And I was like, no, honey, that is your special spot. Like uh. that makes you, you, you are so perfect and beautiful. Mm. The next day when I woke her up, mm. I unzipped her little sleepy sack. Yeah. I watched her kiss. Her special Thank spot. God. Thank God. That's beautiful. And I realized, one, how, like, people's opinions, yeah. they do sink in. They do. But also how, like, our belief in ourselves shape how we move through this earth. Mm -hmm. And it was wild because when I wrote those chapters, I was like, oh, I don't know. They're going to cut these. Mm. And it was funny because everyone who read them was like, I needed this. I needed this coming home. For me, my body and I have been through so many journeys and and part of the chapter is talking about how so often we separate like our soul from our body. Like we can love our soul, but criticize our body and like how we need to like come home that we are like one, we are a whole being mm -hmm. when I'm in my body, my body is me. I am my body. And, um, after we had two miscarriages back to back and I just remember hating my body and just feeling like a failure. And for so many people, there's something in your life that has made you feel like your body is wrong or that you should be ashamed of it or that you know it's it needs fixing and for me it took me a long time to like trust my body but also to like come home to myself it was mm. like i wanted to like live separately from mm. my body mm. and when i was finally pregnant with coco i had booked this wonderful campaign where i had to be in a bra and underwear and and here i am 30 weeks pregnant, hmm. riding up the elevator for this photo shoot. And I like I my skin is broken out. Mm -hmm. I've gained weight, all these things. And these women are like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, surprisingly, like this 30 year old pregnant person is the model today for the shoot. And Jeez. it dawned on me that like the things that I used to criticize were now like my saving grace. Mm. And like they were proof of this miracle and that I was always a miracle. Like, just as my daughter is a miracle, I was a miracle. And I have fallen in love with, like, nourishing my body and moving it out of celebration and not shame. And um, yesterday we did a family workout and um, Drew, like, looked over at me. He's like, you look so, like, strong. And I was like, mm -hmm. I feel strong. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel vibrant. Mm -hmm. And 
I've learned that like health is not a size or a number on a scale or mm-hmm. anything, but like <clears throat> I am investing because I'm like, I want to be energized to like go through this life. Yeah. So it's I'm interesting. S- I, I, I'm looking at you just because I'm so fascinated by what you're saying. <laughs> just so you know, I'm listening so closely because I remember when you did that. Yeah. And I actually had some friends in the fitness space go, hey, your girl, you know, she's really celebrating, uh, you know, not being ripped or fit or something. Like yeah. I said, actually, she's pregnant, number one. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> and number two, I said, um, just so you know, I think some people consider me a pretty ripped or fit dude, and yeah. my I have, a, I have heart disease. Yeah. So, and as you know, and so um, not always healthy is uh, shredded, ripped, and fit all the time, right? right. Energized, healthy, and fit, and um, there's a balance between being healthy and celebrating what we have and our genetics and also being comfortable in our bodies and enjoying our lives as well, right? There should be an element of enjoying our lives. And I look back at the thing with photos too. I look back at photos when I'm just huge or ripped or whatever. And I'm like, that was kind of a, and by the way, there was a season of my life. I wanted to do it, but I'm like, that guy didn't enjoy that trip at all. I didn't even have a cocktail. I couldn't even have a flipping piece of cake on that trip. Like, so there's a balance of your you know, just being in touch with what you want in life. I think happiness or success, Tony Robbins talks about this where he, he says it this way. He says where your life actually matches your blueprint for it. Yes. Right. And so, yes. and that's what you said earlier about other people's ideas of success or what have you. It's like, look, if it's your blueprint for how you feel great and you look, then you're happy and successful. Yes. If you aren't and you want to change it, that's also wonderful as well. Yes. Financial body, any area of your life, your relationships. So what would you say? There's so much stuff in the book, but there's, what would you say to somebody who says, I want to change my mind. There's things about me that I want to change. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing in our space where I want to create change. And I I think sometimes people think this self-loathing or this like thing I have that I don't like about me or this grind thing I do. Brett Eldridge and I were talking about this. That's why I'm successful. Yeah. It's part of my little bag of tricks. I beat myself up. You know, I crush myself and and I'm also achieving external results. And you probably had a little bit of this for a while, right? And if I gave that part of me up, then I'm not going to produce results anymore. Or is it that you're winning in spite of the fact that you have these bags of weird things you treat yourself with? What would you say to someone who's like, hey, I want to enjoy this a little bit more, but I'm actually worried. This is the real truth. Yeah. People are like, I'm worried if I start enjoying this a little bit more, like I'm going to lose my mojo. Yeah. That's what people really think, right? You probably thought, hey, if I slow down a little bit when we met, you know, (laughs) you're like, if I slow down, maybe no one's going to listen to my podcast anymore. There had to be a little fear of that, right? Fear of saying no to things, fear of not doing things and you'll lose it. I remember I was super pregnant uh, with Coco and I was on this girl's trip and I was with some really like driven women and we were going through a list of like, next time you see me, all have X, Y, and Z. And it was, you know, all these metrics and numbers and success things. And I just sat there. I remember I sat there with my hands on my belly and I was like, got nothing. I was like, next time you see me, I will have birthed a baby and sustained mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And I remember like something set in on me, like, is this it? Is this the end? Like, am, am I going to just be a mommy blogger? And I say not just, but yeah. am I going to become a mommy blogger? And mm-hmm. is this it? And I remember feeling this trust in myself of like, I can hit the brake and remember where the gas pedal is. Oh gosh, it's so good. Like yeah. I mm-hmm. trust that what, have, what has gotten me this far can carry me forward if I choose to. Mm-hmm. 
And I think so many of us, especially coming out of the world that we're in, we have told ourselves a lie that like momentum is like do or die. Like if we lose momentum, we're going to realize our success was a fluke or people are going to think that we were a fraud or we are going to, why are you looking like this? I'm looking at Sarah because <laughs> I just did a show where I said those exact sentences no about myself. Sarah, way. did I not? I said literally that if I lose momentum, yeah. people are going to, um, I, I use the word Stop. fluke. I said this an hour ago in, in another interview that that's like my what? fear. Word for word what oh, you just said. So you're speaking my, crazy? you're so freaking right oh. right now you have, like go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt you but well, like, no. sarah and i are both looking at each other like, <laughs> like my producer like hello it. like i just said those exact words well isn't it funny because it's like we attribute all of our success to other people yeah. or like these big breaks mm-hmm. and it's like we're spending our life saying yes to all these things believing that they'll be our next big break yeah. but we're saying no to the things that we say truly matter to us mm-hmm. like our spouses and our partners and our children and our families and our friendships mm-hmm. and so it's like we're looking at our calendars saying like how how did i get here and like how am i going to survive this and once this slows down then i'll get to it then i'll get to it yep and things haven't really slowed down even when we were invited to slow down we panicked So we started moving faster. And so it is fascinating to me because so many people I know are like, if I slow down, momentum is gone and I'm not, I don't trust myself to get it going again. And that's like our cardinal sin of like forgetting the gifts that we already have and the gifts that have carried us this far. Mm. They're still there. They're, they're in us and they are us. Mm. And that's what we've got to lean on. And that's what we've got to find rest in. Okay, that's brilliant. And like, it's almost like you're reading my mind. I mean, I actually said those exact sentences earlier. So and it is, it is what people believe. Yeah. It is what they believe. And that's one of those things that really just comes back to, you know, your own doubt about yourself. My gosh, like I just I have to breathe on that for a minute because I do the show for everybody else. But then there's moments in the show I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that was for me. Mm-hmm. That was for me. And I like to be transparent and vulnerable as well because this navigation, this I, this nuance of, I used to be offended by the question when people would ask me, how much is enough? Mm-hmm. And now mm. I'm not so offended by that question. Mm-mm. It's a valid question, actually. How much of every single thing in your life is enough? I'm not just about money or success, but how much rest is enough? Yeah. How much joy is enough? Yeah. And I do feel, especially in, in my case, like faith. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I, you know, I talk a lot about my faith and it's grown in it a lot and it's the most important thing in my life. But there are parts of me that's like, you know, I'm going to get, I'll get around to really getting into it. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And then, then, and then, then, and then, and then it just never happens. And Mm so um, it's happened in my case, but it took me a while to finally go, actually, it's never coming around. You need to, you know, do the work, as you said earlier, of making my faith the priority in my life. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about visions. You said something in the book. You said Mm -hmm. there's. But here's the thing about visions and callings. It's not anyone else's job to understand yours. It's no one else's responsibility to know if it to know it before you do, give it to you or figure it out for you. Others can and will help, but the source must be you. Mm-hmm. So talk about that a little bit about your actual own vision, not the one other people project onto you that you think you should have, yeah. right? So here's a story about that. So I did the whole book thing backwards. Okay. And I did it backwards entirely intentionally. 
Okay. So I wrote the book in silence, no agent, no deal, nothing. Hmm. Because for years I said, I'm, I'll never write a book. Hmm. And I wanted to do it and do it to be able to tell words that would tell and not to do it to write words that would sell. And I knew that the minute that money or a book deal or deadlines got involved, my creativity would be squashed Mm. and people would be telling me what my book should be. Mm. And when I look and think about visions, I think something that I bring to this space and I can say it with confidence is that my definition of success is very different than a lot of people's in this space. Mm -hmm. And I have gotten so comfortable in living out my own definition that like my friends are like, you won't come speak at my event, like a stage with 10,000 people. And I'm like, that doesn't do it for me. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss Saturday morning pancakes. Like, Mm -hmm. and so like one of my friends, like he was like, what is it going to take? And I was like, it's nothing against you. Mm -hmm. I love you. Mm -hmm. It's just not for me. Mm -hmm. And When I look at like success for me and when I hold everything up to it, it's really easy to see what's in alignment and what's not. Mm -hmm. When I recorded my audio book, they wanted me to fly away for like five days and they're like, you're going to be in a studio and I'd have to be away from my babies. And I was like, let me figure out a different way to do this. He said, I'm not going to say no and not Mm -hmm. come up with a solution. So the lady that lives behind me runs a local radio station. I call it Mary. Mary. Mm -hmm. Do we have like a booth or something? Sure. My cousin is a DJ at the radio station. He does my sound engineering. Come on. I get to go home, be with my kids. I show up, I do the work, but then I get back to the values. Same thing with like, I had to do a promotional photo shoot for my book. Mm. And I promised myself throughout this entire process, I will stay in alignment with the words on these pages because how many authors write books that they need, right? Yeah. And I mean, I need I need my pages to remind me, but I said, I will stay in alignment throughout this entire process or else it's not worth it. Mm. And so I had to do this photo shoot and I was supposed to drive to the studio and bring the family, bring the outfits, do all these things. I was like looking around and I'm like, hmm, I used to be a photographer. I think this awning kind of makes shade. I think, call it my photographer. Can we just do this at my house? Mm. Can we just keep the family here? Coco can watch Daniel Tiger and run in and out. Like yeah. I can change in my own bedroom. Like. We have to get so crystal clear on what our success is and what our values are that like it's so easy to come up with solutions to stay in that. Mm. And what happens is is that people think boundaries take things and people out of your life. Mm. Boundaries keep you in your life. Very good. Like living it. Mm, And so that's what I have done. And my vision of success is so clear and so simple that like Drew and I will have, have a moment like this where we're looking at each other in the eyes and I'll be all teary-eyed mm. because I recognize that like I'm living it right now. You are. And I'll have those moments and it's like mm. so many people look back and they're like, oh, I wish I was awake to that or like, mm. oh, those were the days. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm in the days. You are. You. I opened with that for that reason. By the way, the name of the book, everybody, is How Are You Really? And that's what we're talking about right now. Like, how are you really? And yeah. by the way, maybe even as profoundly in the book, who are you really? Mm-hmm. And she goes through so many things in the book. There's two people I know that I think are living this interesting thing. You, and I just played golf with this guy recently, Richard Cabeza, who's on my Instagram stories. That's not his real name, everybody. <laughs> Brought a partner. This guy's Gary. He was a corporate lawyer doing very, very well. Yeah. And at 50, he goes, I'm done. 
Okay. I'm done. I want to surf and I want to snowboard the rest of my life. I've made just enough money to do it. Yeah. I could go worth be $300 million and try these big cases. It's yeah. no longer what matters to me. Mm-hmm. It's lead somewhere with you. In other words, my vision has evolved yeah. and changed. When he was 30 and 40 years old, that was his vision. Be a great yeah. lawyer, make a bunch of money. That was the season he was in. And so you know what? He walked out at 50 years old. This guy has snowboarded or surfed every single I day. I and he's it. not a super wealthy guy. Yeah. But he's got his life. His life matches the blueprint yes. for his life. Yes. And it, I think what we need to be open to mm-hmm. is that it can change. And when's the last time, to your point, you checked in with you? Mm-hmm. Is this, this is so profound right now, is this, is that old vision still your vision? Yes. And so, for example, with you, you talk so much about kids, and I didn't know this about you. Yeah. You went years saying you didn't even want kids. You're like, years. you're such a great mom, and it's <laughs> so natural, it seems so natural, yeah. and you're so amazing at it. Yeah. But your original vision was you no. didn't want kids. We told my parents never. I mean, we were married for seven years before we had our first daughter. Mm. So like we got married straight out of the gates. We were like yep. 22. I mean, yep. you and Christiana were yep. super young as yep. well. Um, and like, I never wanted it. And it's funny too, because my mom the other day, I was talking to her and, and I was like, were you nervous when I mm. became a mom? And she goes, you know, y- your work was so important to you that yeah. I was a little nervous. Mm-hmm. I was nervous on how you would integrate it. I was nervous on how you would feel about, you know, being expanded in that way. And the funny thing is, is like, I know I am such a good mom. You are such a good mom. And like, it's crazy because like mom guilt still exists in a way of like, am I making the best decision today? Mm. But I do not feel guilty about anything else. I spend so much time with my kids. I love it. But it is funny because we resist change so much Mm. because of uncertainty. Like we, that is why we hold on to like genes from our college days (laughs) or we like stay getting degrees that we know we don't want to work in because we look at and we'll say, well, we would have had wasted two years. Well, what about the next two, 20 years from now? Mm. It's like we hold on to things because there's this idea of identity foreclosure of like, we are going to foreclose on these previous identities And we're so scared to do that because we don't know how to welcome in the next version of ourselves. There's this part in my book where in our yearbooks, you know, where you'd write like, don't change. And I was like, man, imagine if we were like telling our teenage selves, like, I can't wait to see who you become. I can't wait to see you like evolve and embrace this like growing dichotomy of like, I love how I can contradict myself and I love how I can change my mind. And I love how the fruits of my labor, the life that I have today was all about changing my mind and evolving. And I just, I, I wish more people could welcome it because it's like change invites growth. Growth brings growing pains. But like when we are stretched, we expand and like the expansiveness of who we are changes the world but so many of us are shrinking we are shrinking but also do you think the other side of that this is so good do you think that people are unwilling to check back in with themselves if they haven't completed the first vision or dream absolutely i think most of us are walking around with so much guilt and shame Mm. of like unimagined ideas or unexplored curiosities it's like think about this um someone once asked me they were like Imagine your nine-year-old self looking at you today. Mm. Don't think about what advice you'd give them. Think about what they would be disappointed to learn that you no longer do. Mm. 
Think about the things that like lit you up as a child or the visions that you had for your life. Mm-hmm. And think about where you are today. And is there alignment? And you have changed. You've grown. You've evolved. But mm-hmm. there are pieces of you mm-hmm. that you have let go that maybe you need to invite back into your life. And, you know, for me, for so long, like my health was like that thing where I would just feel so much shame around it because Mm. I would try and then I would fail and then I would try again and I'd be like, this is the time or this Mm. is going to stick. And I wasn't recognizing that like slow progress is still progress. That's right. And that if I can just slowly start to build up my confidence in myself to Mm. get results, even Mm. if they're microscopic, even if the world can't see them, Mm. that confidence is going to snowball. And it's like, we're walking around in these like guilt and shame cycles because we haven't chased that dream or we haven't started that business or we haven't, you know, pursued that relationship or we haven't done these things, Mm -hmm. but that guilt and shame will shrink as your confidence expands. So how can you prove to yourself that you're worthy. There's a line that says, like, you are not the risk. You are the investment. And I feel like all of us are walking around this earth thinking, like, I am the risk. I am the one not worthy of betting on. Mm. When it's like, no, 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 friend. Like, you are the investment. So good, Jenna. Gosh, darn it, this is good. <laughs> I I think sometimes you make actual invisible progress, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's invisible. I, was, I have a part in my book about this pinata. I went to this party for yes. a five-year-old, and they're hitting the pinata. First kid whacks a pinata, no candy comes out. Second kid, no candy. Third kid, no candy. About the sixth, some of the kids quit and got disinterested yeah. along the way, right? Sixth or seventh little guy gets up there, hits it one time, all the candy comes out. And I say in the book, I say, now, did that hit break the pinata? Yes. Or was it all the cumulative hits from everybody the entire time? All those invisible magic of compound pounding hits that's progress you're making that you mm-hmm. couldn't see but that pinata was breaking down mm-hmm. the thing is in most people's lives is they quit whatever it is the relationship the business the transformation of their body whatever it is before the candy comes out yes and you were making progress the whole time it was yes. just invisible and so you're so right about it it's like it's it's it, you just say it so beautifully now what questions should we ask ourselves to see if our vision still is our vision? Yeah. Because the thing about being a child, I think one of the things I, most of us lose from our childhood is imagination. Mm. When you're a child, yes. you're imagining all the time, right? And then you operate out of that part of your brain. Yep. As you get older, you start to operate out of your memory. Yes. And your history and your pattern. And it just sort of re- repeats itself. So you may actually be in an old memory dream of yours. Mm-hmm. That's, and maybe one of the reasons you're not achieving it is it's really not the one on your heart anymore, Yeah. right? So what is there a particular couple questions you think someone should do to check in with themselves to see mm-hmm. what their vision or their dream is now? Yeah. Like how things feel or what would you say they yeah. should ask themselves? Well, I was going to say, I think so often we start with what does success look like, but we don't ask ourselves how should it feel? Oh, gosh, that's good. Because yeah. how many times, answer mm-hmm. me this, how many times have you so, set out a goal, mm-hmm. you've arrived and it felt freaking empty? Lots. Or you were like, I thought this would feel different. Mm -hmm. Or I thought, like, I remember um, Mm -hmm. when I was a wedding photographer, I had the goal of earning six figures. It was like just this massive goal in my mind. And I remember the day, (laughs) literal day that I did. I was in the shower washing my hair thinking, like, why aren't the angels singing? Like, why? Like, I thought this would feel like the herbal essence is still the same. Like, why is this not different? Right. And it's like there have been so many milestones in my life where it's like something felt really shiny. Mm-hmm. But when I got there, it was so dull. Yeah. And that's when you're chasing other people's vision. So I would say not what does it look like, but how should it feel? Very good. 
And then I would also say, how can we look at our resources? And I think oftentimes we start with money, mm-hmm. but how do we look at our time and our energy and where it's going? Because mm-hmm. we can really easily stay in the business of trading time for money or working on this vision that requires money to get there. Mm-hmm. But we're spending our currency on our last interview together. Mm-hmm. The line was time is our currency. Yep. And I want your listeners to live in these like fat minutes. Like the minutes are so fat because you are so present. They feel so full that like the 60 seconds feels like an hour because you are so in your body, in the moment, in the life that you could close your eyes a year from now and go back there. And so when we talk about looking at a vision and success, like where do you feel most alive? What did your childhood self love? Like for me, uh, we're building a home and we have this random nook. And I was like, when I was a kid, I played piano. And I just loved the sound of piano in our house, whether it was a kid banging on the keys or my mom and I playing a duet. And I was like, we have to put a piano in the house. I don't care if you can hear it from every corner. Mm. I want that. My childhood self would be sad to know that I don't sit and play. Such a great question. And so... That and then I would also say there's a story in in the book where I was at this point of per- burnout. So I had earned the six figures. It yeah. felt empty. And uh, my mother-in-law used to be an art teacher. And so I went into her basement. She had all these art supplies. And I was like, I just need to like remember how to like play without a screen. Mm-hmm. It's like we want that for our kids, but we don't do that for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so I grabbed all these watercolor supplies and I just started painting. And I said, I'm going to make this a practice. I'm going to sit at our table. We were overlooking a cornfield. And I was like, I'm just going to paint for like 20 minutes a day. Mm. And it was just this beautiful Mm. time where it was like, Mm. oh, I am creative. I Mm. like, I can think of things. I have ideas. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know what your vision is, you probably don't have enough blank space or margin in your life to even dream of the vision to Mm. even think of the vision to even see that vision Mm. so how can you invite that in well you talk about how to invite it in by the book we're going to run out of time because i'm so blown away by this conversation i was going to tell you that the notion of asking for help yes because you talk about you call it pride's chokehold yes and so one of the places is just to be willing to ask people for help by the way this whole conversation has been full of fat minutes for me like I'm, I will that. reflect back on this and I know everybody else will as well, but talk a little bit about help because <laughs> I think most people are willing to do it. And I think maybe even again, it might even be a little bit more prominent with women than it is men, but humans in general, yeah, uh, we're all existing to help one another yet. We almost mm-hmm. never, ever, ever ask for it. Yeah. So, uh, in my book, in this story, I was sharing about how I was a wedding photographer, solopreneur doing all the things by myself, literally yeah, everything. Yeah. And uh, this gal had reached out to me three different times saying, hey, I live in your area. I help people just like you. I can help you with your business. I was like, no, no, I got it. Got I it? got it. I got it. I got it. Right. Until I didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, the time that she sent the third email, thank God for her persistence, like, amen. Uh, I just found out that we had lost our second pregnancy, Oof. literally minutes apart. Oof. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, I don't got it. Like, I cannot physically carry on right now. And I think a lot of times we build these things thinking, like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur or I'm going to chase this dream or I'm going to pursue this thing so that I can get my life back. Mm. Then all of a sudden we build these ladders for ourselves that we're always putting the finish line a little further out, a little further out. And that's true. We try to do everything on our own because we don't believe that someone else can carry the vision for us. Mm. 
And I realized that through asking for help, I finally said, hey, can you like help just respond to people in my email so that like if I log off for two weeks so that I can lay in the fetal position, my clients are still loved on and cared for. And I remember just the first feeling of help. It felt like, you know, when you like clench your jaw and you unclench and you don't realize like I've probably been clenching my jaw for like three years straight. Yes. Yes. That was that moment where I was like, oh, or when you take a deep breath and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't actually been breathing. That's what it felt like getting help Mm -hmm. and help. And asking for it is like a muscle. Like the more you do it, the better you get at it, the better you are at accepting it. Mm -hmm. And when I look at my team today, we are a small but mighty force of women. Oh man, we are awesome. (laughs) But I recognize that like I am the visionary and my team is the missionaries. Like they are out there helping me carry this mission forward. And there, I have this line where it just says like where one plus one equals a million because If I can impact a million lives, I can't do that by myself. Mm. I can set the vision. I can cast the net. But like my missionaries are the people on the ground, writing the copy, preparing the interviews, like helping me to show up. Mm -hmm. And when we ask for help, and there are so many ways you can get help, whether you get like a food delivery service or Instacart or Uber. I mean, like we have so much help at our disposal. Mm. But when you start to ask for it, you start to receive it. And then as you receive it, like you come back home to yourself, you get that time back, that margin back, that space back that is required to move forward. So I've gotten really good at asking for help, like really good at it. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that for some people, their purpose is in helping. You got it. So me asking them to help me helps them live out their purpose. Oh, that's good. And it is so true. And who I was thinking of with help while you were talking was you. Because you're also very willing to offer help. Yeah, you're inc- you're incredible that way. You've been incredible that way with me with my book and my yeah. launch and stuff I know nothing about. Right, like <laughs> I love it that you're great at doing. And so, but you're so right. So many people like I'm. I love when people ask me for help. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when I feel like I'm it's doing what gift. I'm supposed to be doing. Yes, and it's no one's ever said that yes. since I've been alive, and it's 51 years. That actually most people feel their purpose is to help and you're helping them fulfill their purpose by asking them for the help. Yes. Holy smokes. That's so good. That's so darn good because it reverses the, you feel like you're inconveniencing somebody when you ask them for help. Yes. When the truth is they're feeling as if it's their purpose. I'm thinking of so many people. I also think it helps that you offer help. Yeah. To feel like it's there's a law of reciprocity in life, even though there doesn't need to be. Yeah. And you're one of those people that's just so willing to offer help yeah. all the time that I'm I'm imagining it's got to help in receiving it as well. Okay. <clears throat> Shoot, we're running out of time. <laughs> Let's finish with chapter 15. Okay. Because I think it's a perfect place to finish because it's the start. Yeah. So you say just one step, where to start, mm-hmm. and how. Yeah. And so... Let's talk a little bit about this. Where? Okay, I got it. I'm. I got to create this new vision for my life. Yeah. I got to get to know me a little bit better. I got to yeah. check in on me. Where do I start, Miss Kutcher? Where do we start? Well, I'm going to take a spot out of your book where okay. you talk about like the difference between like knowledge and like action, mm-hmm. and like there's so much knowledge out there, right? Yes. Your listeners love knowledge. Yeah. But a lot of times it's so easy to like shut off the podcast and go back to your life. So true. To take the course and then not implement. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we're all waiting to get around to these things. And so part three of my book is like, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Because now you face like who you are and who you have and who has you in your life. But like, 
okay, now where does the work meet the woo? Mm. We've got this vision, but like, what does progress look like? And I believe that we need to make impossibly small progress. It's like if we were to sit and watch a tree grow, like we would never like camp a chair out and watch a tree grow, but those roots are spreading and strengthening Mm. underground. And I wrote my book in silence without announcing it with no one because I knew that that work was going to be like the roots sinking in deep. Mm. I wanted the slow growth because I knew that that slow progress would mean deeper roots. And so when we talk about like, what are we going to do about it? It's not saying like, go change zip codes or sell your house or, you know, get the divorce or whatever that is. Mm. It's like, what can you do for just five minutes today? Or like, what is the one thing that will help you build that confidence to know that it's possible? Mm-hmm. And so my tactics aren't necessarily wake up earlier, grind harder, mm-hmm. hustle harder, go after it. <clears throat> it's like, come back home to yourself, check in often, and make impossibly tiny bits of progress. Very good. And your belief will grow and you will change and your life will change. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be living into your truth, not anyone else's. Oh, my gosh. I don't want this to end. <laughs> I mean, I, I like what you're uh, listening to, everybody, is a brilliant woman. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it comes, the reason that it flows so beautifully out of Jenna is she lives it. It's authentic. It's real. And also, you're listening to two people who love and care about each other very much, have a mm-hmm. conversation. So there's a great, you know, I don't know, vibrational frequency between the two of us. I love you. I love you too. And you're a person who inspires me, but I also aspire in many ways to be like you. Mm-hmm. And this book's needed right now. It's a contrarian point of view, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not all about zen and chill and don't do anything. Maria Shriver was on my show and she goes, you like to say max out. I like to say chill out. <laughs> I love her. And I said, Maria, it's, we can max out. We can max out at chilling out, too. Yes. And that's really what this book's about. It's about and it's not. Here's what it is, guys. I, I, I say this is a compliment. It's heavy. It's loaded mm-hmm. with stories you'll remember and strategies and tactics of how to actually do it. And that's what's important. It's not just theoretical. Yeah. And I appreciate you doing that in the book. So thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me back. This is literally a dream come true. I, I, I love this. I hope we... I don't want to have to write another book to have this conversation. I know. We can't you, wait another three yeah, years. No, then that. I'll have two toddlers and I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> we won't do that. And uh, they get the book anywhere. That's pretty much obvious. And then where do you want them to find you? Yeah, Jenna Kutcher, online, everywhere, all the places, dot com, Insta. I'll meet you all there. Yeah, and uh, her podcast is Gold Digger. And by the way, you guys, she's, she's if you, I, most of you probably follow Jenna, but if you don't, you're going to get things from her you don't get from other people. Mm-hmm. It's not just the same stuff. And she's special, and you heard that today. And I, I just want to encourage all of you. This is one of those episodes where you really need to share it. I know I say that all the time, but I just feel very passionately about this woman and the work she's doing in the world and the example she is. Mm-hmm. So I love you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Say hi to Drew. All right, guys. Hey, um, share this. Please share this. Go get her book. Go get my book, The Power of One More, and continue to spread the fastest growing program on planet Earth. And I just want to say God bless you all and max out your life. This is The Ed Milet Show. 